0: Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C. My guest today is David Pepper. He is the chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party, and he's the author of the political thriller The People's House, about... A Russian scheme to help elect Republican candidates. It was released in like July of 2016. Crazy how he just kind of put that together. We talked about that, uh, but how he put that together right before that election and as he was writing it, he says, you know, he obviously had no idea that anything like that was going to happen. So, and and it's very fascinating to hear how he came up with that scenario in the first place. So before I get started on all of my please support the show stuff. I just I want to remind people that yay my mom's book The Melt, which is about a global pandemic caused by a climate crisis, just came out on paperback. So it's been out on Kindle, but now it's out on paperback on Amazon. So go ahead and check that out. And if you haven't, um, if you've read it and you've liked it, please give it a review. If you, you know, if you if it's if you hear this book and you're like, why would I want to read a book about a global pandemic while I'm in a global pandemic? Well, first of all. First of all, their asshole president, I think, gets killed by uh, the the pandemic, by the virus. <laughs> so that's a good reason to read it, because they had an asshole president that died from it. But it's not like our experience. It's, a, it's more of a, you know, she definitely touches, we talked about it, she was on the show, but it, it touches on the virus and, and, and what happens with the virus. But it also talks about the you know, the, the group of people that are left over and all of them coming together to build the new society. And in that they have all, you know, they have people who are racist and sexist and bigots and, and people who aren't, and everybody has to learn how to get along. And it's an interesting kind of commentary just on the human condition, because sometimes people are fucking assholes and we have to deal with them. So, I thought that was, I, I like how she did that because it, it, it personalized the story as opposed to just focusing on the virus. Anyway, so that came out. Her name is Ann, Warner, A-N-N Werner, A-N-N-W-E-R-N-E-R. She is on Amazon. The book is called The Melt. Go ahead and get it. I think you're going to like it. And what else? What else? Oh my God. So I just have to tell you real quick. I can't tell you what it is. Bob Seska, my boyfriend is, or I call him my boyfriend husband. He is, involved in the stephanie miller liberal comedy virtual tour so i think this comes up on the 20 this is saturday i think i don't know when it's going to be maybe it's the 22nd so maybe it is the saturday but he had to you know he, he's going to be part of that show so he just did things in preparation this weekend it's i have gotta be vague But he did some things in preparation this weekend for this show. And oh my God, you guys, it's so funny. If you're part of her network, you're going to love what Bob is going to do. So we had all kinds of fun this weekend doing the things that needed to be done. And there's also some refrigerator stuff in there. So just FYI. And if you don't know the refrigerator story... Basically, Bob and I have sex in the refrigerator all the time because I have hot flashes. So, <laughs> And Bob always jokes that our whole apartment is a, um, is a refrigerator because I have hot flashes. So that's kind of true. I do prefer, I, I do prefer to keep it on the cooler side. And what's so funny is there's, there's a woman that my mom was friends with. She's still friends with her, but they became friends back in the 80s. They both worked in the car business industry. And this woman is awesome. Her name is Pam. And she's so funny because she, (laughs) I got to tell you my little funny Pam story, but she's, she's small and she looks sweet. I don't know how else to describe it. She just looks like this small, sweet woman. But when she talks, she talks like this. And there, she called one time and asked for my mom and like, I don't know, I'm like 18 years old. I answer the phone. She's like, hey, Kimberly, is your mom home? I need to talk to her. It's mucho importante. <laughs> I just <laughs> love that she said that. I will always say mucho importante. But um, anyway, so why did I bring Pam up? But th- the story is that I saw Pam last year. She came to visit my mom and It was funny because she was saying how she's always kind of hot and her husband is always reaching, you know, like in the wintertime, he's always trying to turn the temperature up and she's always eyeballing him like, get the fuck away from the thermostat. And I noticed because actually it was 2018 because it was the first year that we got here from California. So I was very much looking forward to winter figuring all right you know cold weather and woohoo and so it was true the same thing happened Bob wants to go turn the heat up and I'm like step away from the thermostat <laughs> and he, he's always like he gets into bed and he's like oh. but that's what I love I love it when it's cold I've always preferred sleeping and living like I like it just a little bit more chilly because you can always wrap up in sweaters and if you get like blankets and sweaters and if you get hot you could just take them off but I don't know I just like being on the chilly side I'm weird Okay, the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast and it's supported by listeners and it's woman run. Hello. I have no corporate backers. I don't use advertisers and patrons are what keeps the show going. I always say if you enjoy today's show, please check out the front page of my Patreon and look at some past guests. I interview very interesting people, whether they're actors or activists or authors or political pundits. Always an interesting interview, always an interesting conversation, usually about politics, although occasionally when I inter- interview an actor, we keep it to their craft and their experience, but, you know, politics always always creeps in somehow. So just go to patreon.com slash up. You can look at all the different tiers, and si- you don't have to choose a tier. You could choose, you could say choose the $5 tier, but you could make, you, you could see you can adjust that, and then you can set it to any dollar amount you feel comfortable with. But let's just say you sign up for, okay, I do two free shows every week, Monday and Wednesday, and then I do two patrons-only shows. So for $4 and lower, you get all the free shows delivered to your mailbox plus one patrons-only show. When you sign up for the $5 or more tier, you get all the free shows delivered to your mailbox and both of the patrons-only shows. So you could do that. It would be awesome. And if you sign up for, like, say, $2 a month, you can decide later. If you really like the show, you can support it for, you know, just upgrade and change it to a different dollar amount later. So that's up to you. Again, just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. And the other thing you can do is you can make a one-time donation if you like the show and you're just not ready to become a monthly subscriber. Go to the Patreon description and you, you will see my email. You can use my PayPal account. That's really easy. And you can also find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Please stop by iTunes and Apple Podcasts and become a subscriber for free. You can also give me a rating, which thank you. Every, so many people have been doing this, and I really appreciate it. Um, and I say that every time, but I'm literally very, very, very sincere. Rate the show, and then if you can, leave a review authors love getting reviews. So do podcast hosts, we need those reviews. They really, really help us. So don't forget it's free. Apple podcast. You get there through iTunes. Uh, If you, I think if you're on your phone, either way, when you're there, just sign up and be a subscriber, rate the show, leave a review for those who have, thank you so much. I appreciate all my patrons. I appreciate everything you guys do. And I love doing this show So that's it. That's it for now. Please enjoy my conversation with David Pepper. Welcome to the show, David.
1: Thank you. Great to be with you.
0: It's good to have you here. And I'm so fascinated in the fact that you wrote a book um, that basically predicted this whole Russian interference thing. Um, So before we get into the quote, because I want to ask you about like early voting and the ballot boxes and Mm -hmm. all that good stuff. But of course, I have to hear the story about your book, um, The People's House, because, you know, it was released in, was it August of 2016?
1: Uh, yeah, it was, actually it was earlier. It was, I think, right around July and I sent the final version in, but that doesn't even, the, the interesting thing is I had finished writing The Heart of the Story, like, you know, a year before. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, the editing process takes a while, so it wasn't even like that. There was nothing in the air about this stuff, <laughs> When I had essentially, you know, created my Russian oligarch and all that stuff that wow. I ended up, you know, having be so similar to real life.
0: That's just crazy. That's an, um, you know, I used to live in Russia. I lived in Soviet Russia when I was. I saw that. Yeah, I yeah when it I was up. twelve. Interesting. Um, so that's just fascinating that you did that, and and you know, I mean, it obviously you have some kind of like tap into. You're you are tapped in to what's going on, whether you realize it or not. Um so and 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 the People's House, that book is just basically about um Russians interfering with our elections to get Republicans elected, correct
1: so actually um the the backdrop was I had i my main goal in that book, and this is sort of how my books have worked, but i i'm I had never written anything before in my life, except I'm a lawyer. I'd written legal things. Mm-hmm. I used to be a journalist back in college. But I had never written a book before, but mm-hmm. I was very frustrated with mm-hmm. the lack of awareness in politics about gerrymandering, of all things. Yeah. And I had run for office and if, uh, statewide. I mean you know, I used to be on city council here in Cincinnati. I was a county commissioner. Well, I was recruited to run statewide for a position in 2010 that if I had won and that was a bad year for Democrats, <laughs> we could have ended gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. And, and from that experience, it was very clear to me that v- most people had no idea – that most legislative elections in states like Ohio are essentially rigged by the gerrymandering process. Mm -hmm. So the reason I wrote the book, believe it or not, and it's the world's worst novel idea, was I thought, hey, I'll write a novel about gerrymandering, (laughs) to which anyone in the book business would say, that may be the worst (laughs) idea of all time. Who's gonna buy a novel about that? And I had enough, so I started writing it about an odd election result. Mm -hmm. But my goal was to use the book to make it clear that gerrymandering and other problems in our political system do make us vulnerable mm-hmm. to, to types of interference, right It would be a lot harder if we had better elections. but it, along the way, I also thought, you know I'm going to have a Russian be the and I used to work <laughs> in Russia too. Wow, I thought I'm going to have a Russian oligarch be the one because I often think the best way to look at our system and it, to find its flaws is to actually have the outsider view. Yeah. They will see the flaws of our system often more than we do. Mm-hmm. We're like the frog in the pot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my Russian says to Americans, wait a second, you mean every election for a legislature, you all know the outcome before because of districts? And this, this American lobbyist he's working with says, pretty much. And the Russian says, boy, that is a massive vulnerability to your system. Wow. And then the Russian also figures out that most of, that elections are run at the county level, often yes. by very poorly funded county governments. And he says, boy, that's a weakness, too. And so all of a sudden, you know, I've added this Russian character. He's he's figuring out that there are these weaknesses. And here's why I think my books end up being somewhat similar to what really happens, because I'm my goal in my books is to be very realistic, mm-hmm. like what could actually happen. Mm-hmm. And by creating an outsider who is trying to, in a realistic fashion, take advantage of a, a weakness of the American system, I create a character who is thinking the exact same way that a right. hostile foreign forces are thinking. Right. He's trying to get in – and figure out how to do it. Well, you can't invade us. Mm -hmm. It's not that easy to take us on economically, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: although there are certainly some ways you could do that. But lo and behold, the Russian in my book, just like Vladimir Putin, figured Mm out, oh, the weaknesses in their political system. They have such dysfunction. It's so partisan. Mm -hmm. They have weaknesses like in – you know whether it be concerns about voting machine integrity, whether it's gerrymandering. They have such weaknesses that that is how he kind of gets into the American system – which parallels real life exactly what people would also conclude. Wow. So I didn't mean to have it predict anything. Yeah. I brought the Russian in because I know Russia somewhat from my time there. But it turns out that my exercise in writing a good book kind of paralleled what someone else would be doing if they wanted to cause trouble.
0: Wow. That's inc- uh, that's crazy. So what were you doing in Russia?
1: I So I worked in Russia, and this is the other sort of Horace Gump part of my existence <laughs> back in the day. I worked in St. Petersburg, Russia in the early to mid-90s back when we got along very well with them, mm-hmm. and we were trying to help. Mm. Somewhat naively, our efforts were, I'd say. Mm-hmm. How can we help them move to a, a democratic system and a market economy? And uh, I, you know, at the time, St. Petersburg was viewed as sort of the window to the West, and our project was trying to help guide St. Petersburg on how they could do the types of things that would make a stronger economy for their people you know take on things like infrastructure and 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 create a, a a good legal system sort of rule of law type work and so i was there off i would go back and forth it was a dc think tank called csis i was technically working for mm-hmm. but the project was in st petersburg so i'd kind of travel back and forth and one of the crazy small world things was that the time i was there vladimir putin was the vice mayor of the city hmm. And wow. he was the point person to our project. Oh, my God. So I would meet with him on a pretty regular basis wow. for a couple of years, back when he was like 41, unknown, um, and kind of in the shadow of this very charismatic mayor who everyone thought would someday be the, the president of Russia. Um, wow. A guy named Anatoly Sobchak. And little did I have any idea, right. nor would I have ever predicted, that Vladimir Putin, who was this sort of more quiet sidekick to this very charismatic mayor – um would uh would ultimately rise like he did but a lot of that experience is what shaped my writing of the right, book at least right. the russia angle
0: i just have to ask you what at that time what was your impression aside from being quiet what was your impression of putin
1: um yeah, well I, I tweeted this a couple months ago so he was—he was the guy who made the trains run on time. He was the guy who got things done. He—he mm-hmm. he didn't waste time on long speeches or toasts or other things that others there would, you know, actually do that you would enjoy. Yeah. He just got stuff done. But here was the—here was the—and t- you knew uh, there was uh, somehow I knew he was a former spy. That was—that was, you know, it wasn't rare, but it also was somehow we knew that. Mm-hmm. But I'll never forget. And there's a scene in my first book where where I actually do a similar thing. I knew enough Russian to know what was going on and to walk around the streets, but we always would have an interpreter, Mm -hmm. as you should when you're doing that type of work. And I'll never forget, he had never spoken a word of English uh, while we were meeting with him. (laughs) And again, we were meeting in friendly ways, not not in negative ways. And I'll never forget, two years into meetings, one day an interpreter was interpreting from him to us, and she clearly messed up a word, and he corrected her in English. And the word was not so simple that it was an obvious word. It yeah. was something I can't remember what it was. And the minute he did that, I thought this guy's been listening to us for two years. Yeah. Um, and he never once let on that he spoke English. Wow. And that's when I thought, mm-hmm. you know, and that wasn't the first thing, but the mm-hmm. first time. But this guy's there's a there's more going on with this guy than meets the eye. That <laughs> that he would do that. And if you go back, obviously, my guess is that's right out of like how you how you do sort of yeah. more sophisticated diplomacy and right. spy work is. You don't let anyone know that you actually hear everything they say when they don't think that you do. That's
0: fascinating. That's yeah. just totally. I mean, you know, obviously yeah. when I was there, it was Soviet and it was different than what you experienced. I was in Moscow, Moscow, and um, mm-hmm. it was just. I mean, the best way I can describe it, and I've described it like you probably saw my my pin tweet that it was like kind of live. Li- it's a it's a police state, or was a police state, and it was kind of like living in prison. And as a foreigner, I felt I had privileges. You know, I got to live in a nicer home than most, you know, typical Russians. I got to go grocery shopping at some of the better stores. And when I say better, just better than what the Russians had. Right. And um, it was, you know, I mean, it was such an experience. I was very, I'm very fortunate that I had that experience. But I also sometimes feel like, because, you know, I I always say I'm not an expert or anything in Russian government or politics. But being a 12-year-old girl and living in that atmosphere and, and having a decent understanding of what communism was, and then giving me an appreciation to you know what we have in America, or at least what we had prior to Trump. Yeah. Um, that no, that- I had the same. So I
1: was there shortly after the end of the Cold War. Yeah. I, I actually really enjoyed it. I have to yeah. say, St. Petersburg was beautiful city. People were actually working hard to reform. Uh There were a lot of forces behind the scenes that in reading books since I now realize I didn't, I was naive about how bad it was including who was behind Putin at the Mm -hmm. time. I mean there's a new book out I think called Putin's People that I just started reading a few weeks ago that it's eerie when I read it now Hmm. because it's describing some of what was happening behind the scenes that I wouldn't have known about Hmm. doing what I did but I actually really enjoyed it and one of the things about what's happening now and I got to meet a lot of Russians. I got to meet the the, the generation. I'm, I'm in my mid to late 40s, but my generation that were sort of liberated from what had happened. Mm-hmm. And the thing that that strikes me is how sad every how sad it is
2: mm-hmm.
1: that there was a moment in that decade where I think things could have gone a different way. I don't yeah. think it was inevitable. And to see this whole you know p- you know pushback towards authoritarianism and all that. Because at the time there was some hope that it could be better, mm-hmm. and I think we were naive. I think there could have been things done better than we than than were done. Maybe maybe Putin would have emerged either way, but it, it honestly, like I actually really enjoyed it there. And, and when I was there, and I, I had a lot of friends um, uh, and family who went to the Soviet time like you did, mm-hmm. and yes, I think it was very dark. You mm-hmm. people were tailed whenever they went there. Yeah. When I was there, like there was, there really was this moment of optimism, and um, and some of the leaders I worked with, like the mayor of St. Petersburg, were inspirational fi- figures. These are people who stood up on tanks yeah. to stop that effort to push back. And there was this—the the guy, this mayor, was the author of the Russian Constitution. They added all these things to make it a better, a more democratic place. And and so, to me, the state of things now—it's it's just really sad that it's gone this this far backward, and yeah. and. Um, And I think it's gotten so complicated how we ever can emerge into a better place Mm -hmm. like we were trying to do those decades ago.
0: Well, as you said, there was – you didn't think it was inevitable, and that kind of strikes me because I'm thinking like (laughs) where we are right now, uh, there doesn't have to be an inevitable Trump re-election. Do you know what I mean? It's like we we still have this opportunity. So this is a perfect segue into – you know, talking about voting, you are the chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party. And so uh, fill us in about what's going on there. I know the secretary uh, of state, Frank LaRose, banned extra ballot boxes. Right. So explain to me and my listeners what they're doing and what the importance of that is.
1: Uh, it- well so we we in Ohio have been you know we we are one of the states that are seeing these horrific attacks on the post office mm-hmm. and by the way, Ohio law is very clear if you intend to delay the delivery of absent voters' <laughs> ballots, it's a felony, yeah, so this is not a legislative, and we have a statement coming out today on this. This is not a legislative disagreement, it's not a budget issue, mm-hmm. which is I think too often how in d c it's being talked about yeah, this is a crime that is happening. Oh. In plain sight, it is a federal crime because you are interfering with the delivery of the mails, and there's Mm -hmm. a federal statute that says you can't do that. And in many states like Ohio, to purposely, as Donald Trump stupidly admitted the other day, to purposely interfere with the absentee ballot delivery process is a felony in Ohio. Mm -hmm. So we are going to raise this to that level. This is not about, you know, I don't, this is not just about having a hearing in Washington, and we need to have those. Yeah. But this should be this is a offense in Ohio that prosecutors should be taking up right now, right And attorneys general and other states should be doing the same thing. So that's so but as the back, is that with that as the backdrop um, we are pushing very hard for, okay, what what's every other solution we can push for mm-hmm. to deal with the fact that these that postage uh, that the postal system is being attacked? The most common sense thing that anyone could do in any state, in many states already do it, Republican states, Democratic states, is uh, have board of elections or whatever you call it at your local level in the state, have drop boxes that are secure,
0: yeah.
1: uh, that voters drop it off, and it's not in the mail system. It's going. It may look like a post mm-hmm. post box, or but it's not. It's going directly to the board of elections, picked up every day by those employees. It is the single easiest way to get around this problem, and it's not like this is some crazy new idea. You know, Brian Kemp's Georgia had 20 drop boxes in Fulton County Hmm. in their primary. Colorado has them. Alaska has them. Washington. It's it's not even. It's never been bipartisan. I mean, sorry. It's never been partisan. Mm -hmm. It's never been controversial. Right. But now that Trump is trying Mm -hmm. to crush the vote by mail system, all of a sudden they don't like it. Trump tweeted about drop boxes this morning. You know. It, it's going to be news to, to George's Brian Kemp that somehow he shouldn't have had drop boxes because in the past it's never been a source of contention. So we've been pushing this idea here. Local boards of elections and mayors and others have been reaching out saying, hey, we could add a drop box at our, it, this is how other states do it. A lot of libraries have them, mm-hmm. recreation centers. In Washington and Oregon, and I, I don't think I, I'd go this far, they have them outside of movie theaters. They have them at McDonald's. <laughs> like they're secure in yeah. there. They're, they work. So here in Ohio, we push to have them, Um, and um, and uh, Frank LaRose, the Secretary of State, from the moment we brought it up, he started delaying the process of deciding because he does have some say on this. Obviously, Secretary Mm -hmm. of State, he sought an opinion from the Attorney General, saying, "Well, I don't know if it's allowed for to do this without a new statute." And the truth is, that's ridiculous. The, The statute is very open. It simply says. That a voter needs to, quote, deliver a ballot to the, quote, unquote, mm-hmm. director of each county's boards of elections without defining in any way or any specific location that has to happen. It clearly doesn't mean to the director him or herself. Mm-hmm. It means to the board they oversee. So it's very open-ended. Some of the counties have had drop boxes for years outside the boards of elections. So, But LaRose, the secretary of state, who'd likes to say he's some moderate when he's clearly acting mm-hmm. every uh, everything but, um, he said, I'm going to seek out an opinion from the attorney general. And for weeks, he told every board of elections, you cannot work on this issue until I get my opinion back. Oh. Well, last week, he withdrew the, the request for an opinion, and he pronounced that based on the law, for which he never got an opinion, uh-huh. he was going to ban all but one dropbox per county. So Cleveland, Ohio, and Columbus, with a million-plus voters yeah. in their counties, they get one dropbox box. So in the middle of a pandemic yeah. when postage is being attacked, and by the way, every single person who goes to a dropbox with their vote is someone who's not interacting with a poll worker, mm-hmm. not in line, mm-hmm. not not waiting around for hours, meaning it's safer in a pandemic to have dropboxes. Yeah. But here this guy announces out of the blue, having having withdrawn the legal opinion he requested, uh, and who knows why you would do that unless you didn't think you might get the decision you wanted. yeah. And now he's announced that he can only have one per county, and people – this is exploding here. Uh, I don't think – and he did it, of course, the same week that Donald Trump said he's intentionally interfering with the the mail system. So it looks like you know, here Trump's cutting off the mail system, and here Ohio Secretary of State in the same week is cutting off the easiest alternative to dropping Mm -hmm. off your early vote ballot than the mail, which is the drop boxes. So it's a mess, Mm -hmm. and we will keep fighting and fighting and fighting. And I'm getting calls from lawyers, prosecutors, others saying, We don't see how the law prohibits this and uh, and, and we're gonna keep pushing this issue. Uh mm-hmm. I, I really I mean we're we're down about eighty days
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I believe this election because we're tied in Ohio, we're tied in Georgia, they mm-hmm. know they're losing. Mm-hmm. They know they're losing unless they succeed in, in literally meddling in plain sight mm-hmm. and we're not tough in pushing back. Unless they succeed in that, they know they're done. Mm-hmm. But because they're so exposed by losing, going back to what happened in 16 in Russia and going back to other things, the consequences of them losing are so bad for them, you know, for Bill Barr, for all mm-hmm. they're doing. They're, I'm I'm afraid we're at a time where we they are willing to do anything. Yes, they are. And the kind of things that Putin would do mm-hmm. to hold on to power. So we have to fight as hard as we've ever fought, and that's what we're doing here in Ohio.
0: So what can – now, okay, let's – you've got these people. There's a couple things I want to ask because, like, for instance – I'm hearing that you shouldn't, if you're going to use the mail, that you should uh, send it no later than October 22nd. But I I saw a tweet from Lawrence O'Donnell where on 728 he sent a birthday card. It didn't get there until August 15th. So I don't even know if the 22nd is enough time. Um, Outside of that, what are things voters can do? Because my whole thing is vote early and have a plan. And at this point, what I've done is I have – I went online and I ordered my ballot, my mail-in ballot, my absentee ballot, because they're both the same mm-hmm. thing. And then hopefully, right. it's supposed. It said it would take about three weeks, so I did it last weekend. So I'm hoping um, that within this period of time, maybe an extra week. You know, I don't know how long it's going to take with however the mail is going to go. But providing right. I get one, my goal is to be very, very, very meticulous and fill out my ballot, make sure everything is perfect, my name is perfect, that my name is signed exactly the way it is on the re- voter registration. Because yeah, if important. it isn't, they will send it back to you. So um, mm-hmm. that actually happened to me. I was in person when I when I was dropping something off. But So anyway, I'm going to make sure it's filled out perfectly. And then I'm going to find out. I know in Maryland, early voting starts, which is where I live early voting starts on October 26th. So I will find out the closest place to go and physically drop it off myself. Now, um, what would you, what do you advise people when, for instance, they're living in a a rural community and they, like you were saying, you know, there's all these people in um, these counties, millions of people in one Dropbox. So if a Dropbox isn't going to be your thing, what's the best way people can be prepared?
1: So what I'm going to say, one, we are still fighting to have clarity on the best way. So, Mm -hmm. but, you know, we, we believe there's still other options Mm -hmm. that we are going to fight for, that nothing in Ohio law prohibits, and we are not going to let off the gas uh, of those things. But, Mm -hmm. so the the answer may change and we have to get these answers quickly. So Mm -hmm. voters are are clear on this, but, but that that still may change. People can, uh, can, in Ohio and other places, my guess is it's, it's somewhat similar as long as they have pretty big vote-by-mail windows. Mm-hmm. People can – should request their application. They should send in an application for a vote-by-mail right now. No. Get it in. Yeah. In Ohio, you will get that depending on the delays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the way, we are in court right now um, suing to say that this secretary of state I keep talking about – actually has not just the ability but the responsibility to accept applications sent for vote-by-mail ballots that are sent electronically. Mm-hmm. He, is, he says he wants to do that, but like Dropboxes, he pretends the law doesn't allow him yeah. to. We think that's hogwash. We're in court right now forcing him, if we win, to do the thing that he says he wants to do, but I think that's disingenuous. Mm-hmm. I don't think he wants to do it, but he likes to blame the legislature. So we're trying to allow people so there's less delay to send by email their application as long as it's got all the right information. Yeah. So one way or another, people should right now call or d- send an application in. With about a month to go, people will get the vote-by-mail ballot. My advice is don't rush so quickly that you don't fill it out. Vote right. all the way through. Right. Yeah. Uh, but – and you could do that in one sitting. Do the research. Mm-hmm. Go online. Vote Democrat all the way through is would be my clear advice. And then – I think if you get it, if you get that done in the first week, mail it. I think for us, we have 30 days. As long as it's postmarked a day before the election, Mm -hmm. if it is received in the 10 days following the election, it counts.
0: Okay, that's good to know.
1: Yes, but there right now is a drop box at every county. At their board of elections, we will do everything we can to make it clear where that is. Mm -hmm. If you're anywhere near the end, my advice is, even in LaRose, has made it an hour long drive for some people. He's made it hard. Mm-hmm. But if you're close to the end of that window, let's say the last yeah. two weeks, drive it. Drive, drive it. it to the Board of yes. Elections, get it in. Don't take a risk. That's exactly because, you know, let's say 5% of the people who send those in, it doesn't get there. Mm-hmm. That's That could change outcomes. It definitely So could. I, I think the, the so, our, but our best message is ask for the application, ask for the ballot now, and vote it within days of getting it. Hopefully, you know, early early october mm-hmm. and it yes. should get there and by the way in ohio you can track your ballot so that oh. be the other thing keep track of it if it doesn't look like it's showing up request another one and drop that one off how do you track board it of online online you can go at your board of elections and it'll t- tell you um, i have not done it myself but i know that people can see if their ballot has been uh, Mm -hmm. collected or not. No, this is one reason why drop boxes are also good. People say, well, what if someone set the drop box on fire? You know, which has not happened to to my knowledge, but you know, you always want to worry about that kind of thing. They need to be secure. But if, if someone did do that, you would be able to see that your ballot hadn't arrived online. And let's say someone vandalized a drop box. People could see that, that their ballot had not gone in. Mm-hmm. There would clearly be public information. Mm-hmm. Hey, this Dropbox was, was vandalized. So you'd know that your vote was was tainted and you'd have to go back and, and re-vote. Uh, but that, the tracking does let you do that. Well, but, that's but, so easiest thing, get it early. And we're going to do all sorts of very high-profile pushes. You know, mm-hmm. I want to turn the 30 days of voting here. Into one big party at that Dropbox, hmm. you know. Bring your own ballot, BYOB. Like make it, That's awesome. Make yeah. it, <laughs> make it big. Every, you know, videotape people. Yes. Pick pick a day where you say, hey, today right, yeah. is the City of Forest Park day to drive a big caravan to the Dropbox and everyone vote. Uh, so we're we're trying to push for other solutions, but if he wants to have one Dropbox and, and we should overturn that. Um, if he wants to um, make it one. Um, we'll we'll use that one as best we can.
0: Yeah, and I would just like to remind people too. I mean, obviously, in past elections, there were many people who just took it off for granted, and they'd always wait till the last day um, on voting day to go vote. But this, we don't necessarily have that luxury because. Uh, you know there's going to be lines I know that they're calling for a rainier fall and rainier season at least on the east coast so it might be raining and you might be standing there and nobody wants to deal with that so obviously it's really great if people could just say like you're saying you know you get your ballot now you fill it all out you make sure everything is great and all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed so um, you pick a day you say, okay, this is the day. If if you've got an hour or two-hour drive, do it on on your day off. But but plan it out because I think a lot of people don't do that when it comes to elections, and that's part of the problem is that we have we're, we're going to have limited polling stations because there's you know a lot of elderly people are not going to be volunteering this year because of COVID. So uh, there you know there could be fewer polling stations as we've seen back in the primaries. So just do it on, figure out your day off and then just do it on that. I can't emphasize that enough because if we all do that, you know, we can, um, we don't have to worry about what they're doing the way that we're worrying now. I mean, I'm not saying we have nothing to worry about, but it's just that that's one thing we can scratch off that I'm worried about this list. So just got to plan in advance. And then the other thing that I wanted to ask you how, I mean, I am going to do a paper ballot, absolutely paper ballot, but I know there's going to be people who show up on voting day. How – do we – can we trust these machines?
1: Um, uh, in Ohio, the machine process is better than others. I mean, the, the machines I most worry about are the ones that are electronic with no paper trail. Yes.
2: Um, yeah. And
1: I think that's, that is that is that is an issue. Yeah, it is. So in those states, I would vote in a way that, that assures that you do have a paper ballot. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I, again, I, I, I'm always sort of back and forth. I don't want to over-scare people mm-hmm. I mean, because if, if people too much worry about the system, they don't vote.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, but I would just do your homework in your state and figure out what is, what is the best system. But I do, I do find it really strange that Donald Trump is so against vote-by-mail, yeah. and here's why I say that. There, is, there have been studies done repeatedly. Vote-by-mail does not favor one party or the other. Yeah. It, it is, it's a wash. So, And Donald Trump's people would know that. So the idea that he's really beating up on vote-by-mail, to me, is not about that it favors us as a Democrat. It's that he wants the election day itself to be a disaster. He mm-hmm. wants long lines. He wants other problems uh, that lead to us looking like Georgia did in its primary, people waiting for hours. Because, again, it, it, it's just – the data is clear. It doesn't help one side or the other. Some states, Republicans have voted vote-by-mail for years at levels more than Democrats. Mm-hmm. I think he's – I think – and this is why we're still going to push for vote, people voting early. I think every vote that gets in early is a vote that cannot be suppressed on Election Day. Yeah, And I think that's why yeah. they don't like it. Wow. And – and um uh, so you know, they they have a plan to challenge voters on election day that they deem quote unquote suspicious, which is horrific mm-hmm. voter intimidation. Everyone who votes early is not gonna be challenged in that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So so I think this whole thing is an effort to push everything till election day, where they have far more ability to mess with this with to mess with the election mm-hmm. uh, than uh, than people just sending their getting their votes in early.
0: Wow. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I, I also like your point. To not panic or to not freak out, um, but yeah. I, but I but I think right now it's like we're in that position where nothing is inevitable, like you were saying, and so yeah. um, we you know and in in past elections I think people took things for granted, and I think this election Correct. we can't take it for granted. We we should never panic, but we should always be prepared and understand. It's like just make sure everything is in early it's like you're saying it, it's it's not going to be questioned when it's there early and if we have a plan and if you you know i know that maybe somebody doesn't want to spend their day off whether it's a saturday or tuesday or whatever it is necessarily driving you know in your car for 4 hours to go vote but right. um, what kind of country do you want to live in it, yeah. so
1: it's just no I mean, and by the way we better learn from 16 um, and yeah. 16 and this is this is not only on republicans mhm some Democrats were aware that Putin was doing what he was doing, and they assumed that we were going to win, and they didn't raise the alarm to the yes. level that it should have been raised. I agree, And, yeah. and I'm sure they regret that. Yeah. Um, we cannot make this mistake now. Yeah, and, and, I mean I agree and we should have. the attack yeah. on the Postal Service to me – and again, this is – I can't believe I'm saying this because it's going to sound extreme. It is as impeachable an offense Mm -hmm. as what they did with Ukraine.
0: Oh, definitely. He is
1: interfering with the delivery of mail to rig his own election. That is a crime at the federal level, at the state level, and because it's intended to rig an election, it's a high crime and misdemeanor, and it should be treated as such right now. I don't want to just have hearings where we talk about how much we like the Postal Service and try and give the money only to have Mitch McConnell not support that legislation. This needs to be treated as an ongoing crime as it's happening and raised at the highest level, including uh, attorneys general mm-hmm. and prosecutors who have authority to start pursuing it as a crime. And that it was that was not done in 16, mm-hmm. and it was a huge mistake. And it, lo- it it allowed Putin and Trump to get away with what they were doing. Yeah. And I worry now. I, I'm glad the House is coming back, and they they, they clearly are are ramping it up. Mm-hmm. But it's not. This cannot be just a political hearing, as if this is some legislative dispute or you know uh, a budget disagreement this is a crime that is happening in plain sight the intention has already been admitted to by the president and that is how this should be pursued and and with with the with overwhelming response and not just sort of well we may win anyway i mean 5% of the vote changes an entire election mm-hmm. at many levels you mess with the mail system enough you'll affect 5% mm-hmm. of the vote so no, I, I think it needs to be raised to to that level. This is a this is an impeachable offense that we are witnessing. Yeah. I mean it, to me that's it's 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 more direct an assault mm-hmm. than what they were trying to do in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. It's more direct. Yes, Adam Schiff I, yeah. predicted everything we're seeing. He said he's going to do it again. Yeah. He said that. And guess what? It is it's happening. Just as Schiff predi- predi- predicted.
0: So what do you think is going to come from these
1: hearings? I don't know. That's my that's why I don't think a hear if all we see is a, legis- as a House that passes something that goes nowhere in the Senate, we haven't accomplished anything. Mm-hmm. It needs to be stopped, and it's going to be stopped, I think, by people seeing it that it- this is an ongoing crime and not just, not just a-, a-, a legislative dispute. We are seeing the, the attempt to heist an election so in when, front of our eyes.
0: When you say people, who do you mean? People have I mean, if,
1: uh, I mean an attorney general okay. and a, uh, I mean attorney general saying, like I'm saying, you are currently violating the state of Ohio's law that prohibits interfering with absentee ballots. I mean I would go right. Everyone who's part of this should have the fear of God that whether Trump wins or loses, they are about to get prosecuted in state courts all across the country for violating felony laws in their states. And if they don't win, Everyone from the Postmaster, the general on down, should think they also could be prosecuted for violating federal law of not interfering with the mail system. That's, that's literally what they should be thinking. And anyone who's part of this, if, if it's the National Republican Party, if, if – the Postmaster General is apparently talking to them all the time. Anyone doing this, this is not just sort of a legitimate way to campaign. This is a crime, mm-hmm. and it needs to be talked about as a crime. And people who are part of it should know every day they continue to do this. They are adding to a record where they will be held accountable for a crime. That that needs to be how it's discussed at hearings,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it needs to be beyond just legislators. This is the moment where prosecutors and attorneys general need to say this is a crime happening in plain sight. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. in in a In a democratic rule of law, rule of law, uh, you know, country. This needs to be cracked down on right now. Like, this is something that, that, you know, I'm sure Putin would be happy to do and no one would ever do anything about it. Or, you know, I'm sure what's-his-name in Belarus is sort of sad he didn't think of this. But in our country, a crime happening in in an election that's ongoing needs to be cracked down on immediately.
0: You know, it's just – the thing that freaks me out is, like – they just are above the law. They consider themselves above the law and they have the power to keep them insulated so that nothing happens to them. And that's, I mean, and I'm agreeing with you 100%. Yeah. I just feel like, um, you know, talking about it as if it's a crime, make, are they really going to be scared? Because I think like their whole thing is they're above the law and they, you know, they're...
1: Yeah, no, they're, and, and, and if we, and it's up to us as to whether they are allowed to be above the law.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's why if we
1: have to talk about it in the right way... And we have to – now, here's the problem. I also don't want people to stop voting because they're scared. We need to fix this quickly, and then once the rules of the game are clear, we need to really inform voters about, okay, here's the best way to make sure. We're going to have a campaign in Ohio. We haven't finalized the the campaign, but it it could be make it count. Mm -hmm. Here's the way to make sure your vote counts. It will be very clear about how to do that so that people can, can after hearing all this controversy, feel good that their vote will still count.
0: Yeah, and then also, also, I mean, I'm seeing pictures of all around the United States. Though. First, they were taking those blue mailboxes and putting them on the back of trucks. Evidently, they've stopped, but now there are pictures of locks on all these
1: mailboxes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I it's, think. It's, uh, like I said, that's evidence. I tweeted out the other day send me those photos. We want every evidence we can put together of the crime yeah. that is happening. That's what this is. This is, that, just is really that is fun. all literally, that's a crime scene. And then, right there, if, you, if in states at least that say you can't interfere with the delivery of an absentee right, ballot. Right,
0: right, right. And this is all happening. Uh, this was actually predicted by I don't remember some talking, you know, somebody a, a pundit on MSNBC that as we get closer to the election, the numbers are going to start getting closer between the two candidates. Yeah. And so right now CNN has Biden at fifty percent and Trump at forty six
1: percent. Yeah, um, I mean that was the closest of the three that came out yesterday yeah yeah so there are other polls that are, but oh, sorry go ahead with no, i was question. just gonna Maybe say you know as we move off.
0: closer it will tighten that's all
1: well here's my ad here's my attitude if you have four polls believe the closest one yes because what they are doing will make it closer yeah. that's their goal i agree don't yeah. we should not sit around and look at a 10-point poll and feel good if russia's interfering which they've said they will do if if um if trump is interfering with vote by mail a ten-point lead could be a four-three, two-point lead, or a tie mm-hmm. score. You know, any moment. Yeah. So work as if you're work as if that four-point one is the best poll we've got, not the worst, because that's the reality on the ground with what they're doing.
0: Yeah, and I mean that that poll is not taking into account the cheating, and so exactly. um, you know, whether exactly it's the and build that into and, whatever you assume. Yes. And,
1: and so I watch Democrats get oh I, that we should that poll's bad and like. No, let that poll be the motivation to, yes. to to keep fighting. Yeah, because the good poll is the one that doesn't account for all sorts of things, including the cheating.
0: And the good poll can make people feel safer and perhaps yeah. sit out. And you can't yeah. sit out because mm-hmm. take nothing for granted. Um, now I'm just going to ask. A, I'm going to ask you to predict something because you you seem to be pretty good at it. So um, I'm just let's just say Joe Biden wins. Uh, whether, you know, I don't know, slim margin, middle margin, maybe not a big, gigantic, which would we need a big, gigantic blue wave.
1: Yeah, but, we need um, a bowl. We need a huge win.
0: But we don't know what's going to happen and how much of this cheating is going to actually affect what those numbers are. So what do you, you know, I mean, can you, how do you think this is going to go? Uh, let's say Biden wins. Um, but it's not a huge margin, what happens? What does Trump do? Because everyone Uh, is frightened that he's just going to – So
1: I hate thinking about it because I I think – someone wrote this the other day, and they're right. Once you are meddling in a criminal way, which is what it is, Mm -hmm. with the operation of a service like the Post system to, to hack your results, you've crossed the line. Yeah. And just like the movie Fargo, you're going to keep crossing it. Mm-hmm. You you can't you you've crossed the Rubicon, mm-hmm. and so uh, my worry is they've crossed it, mm-hmm. and they will that they're breaking that law and if they're breaking other laws. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep doing it, mm-hmm. um, and my 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 worry is that if it's close, of course they're going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Of course they are. We need being naive in the face of an onslaught this aggressive is how you lose. Mm-hmm. So my attitude is. Uh, fight right now if you think you're if you if you worry you're being too overwhelming in your response good you mm-hmm. you can't be too overwhelming but the best way to end the risk that he will question the results and try and win despite losing is to and this is where i sometimes get frustrated with some democrats so most are doing this the right way this is no time for small ball A a a slight win in a few swing states is the temptation that Trump will, will grab a hold of mm-hmm. to try and overturn the outcome. Yeah. You know, a three point loss in Wisconsin, a few a few electoral college difference. Yeah. That 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 will be the sort of the moment that he decides to strike yeah. strike. A blue Ohio, a blue Florida, mm-hmm. a blue North Carolina, a blue Arizona, throw in Texas and Georgia if we really do great. That's the end. Yeah. And even then, Bill Barr would say, hey, buddy, I'm sorry to tell you this. You lost. Mm-hmm. There's nothing we can do. And so that's where, you know, all the que- you know, there's some super PACs that have spent a year or two saying, oh, we can't win Ohio. We shouldn't try. We're tied in Ohio. What do you mean we can't win Ohio? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy if yeah. you say you can't win a state that you're tied in. Mm-hmm. Um, but some are saying that. And, and in this circumstance, we need to prevent the temptation to cheat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And by the way – but it goes bigger than that. that. That's really important. But even bigger is this is a moment in history where we want to send a signal to our future generations and to the world that we took a long look at Trumpist racism and division and incompetence and 160,000-plus people dying, and we rejected it as decisively as anyone's been rejected in America, mm-hmm. polit- in America politics. And my hope is that rejection will, it's not going to fix everything, but it's going to give us a chance to put it in the past. Mm-hmm. And my hope is, you know wh- one of the things that um, is almost more frustrating than Trump, and this is something that, that you know others are saying too, but I've thought it for a long time the founding fathers would not be surprised by Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. They would say, well, "Yeah, what do you expect? Yeah. But we had kings. Why do you think we wrote the Constitution? What they would be surprised at? Is the enablers? Yeah, they would look at like Ohio Senator Rob Portman mm-hmm. and Lindsey Graham and Lamar Alexander and say, "We gave you the power mm-hmm. to stop an out of control executive. We expected them to come about, but we expected you and the House to respond. We gave you the tools to get rid of people who were who violated our Constitution." And, and the enablers are the ones who, who I think the founders would be surprised at. And I say all that to say it's the enablers that we want to learn a lesson mm-hmm. this November, that if Trump gets blown out, if we do what we can do – and I think we can do it. Yeah, me too. That the ne- now, these, these enablers – I don't mean to get, go on forever here, but they are cowards. Let's, let's be blunt yeah. about it. They're cowards. They they are abs- good for Mitt Romney. He hasn't been. Good for John Casey, He hasn't been. But the rest of them, they're cowards who are worried about their own offices. They're worried mm-hmm. about lose- getting a mean tweet sent about them. Yeah. And they they won't stop being cowards. Let's be clear about that. They're not going to get courageous. But the question is, what do they fear? And if we win this November overwhelmingly, my hope is the lesson in the future. And, and, and Cory Gardner and Susan Collins mm-hmm. and uh the arizona senator if they get blown away hopefully the lesson in the future is when someone comes across who's clearly disturbed who's racist who's doing all these horrible things do you know what you should fear you should fear not doing anything about it because the people who did nothing all lost
2: (laughs) right
1: don't fear that person because the american people are onto that person fear doing nothing Mm -hmm. and hopefully if if we win in november by enough the fear of the, these sort of enablers who, frankly, should not be in office if they're this scared. They're dangerous if they're this scared. Yeah. The hope is that, we, that the fear that they fear, fear, feel for now on is about the American public tossing them out because they don't like watching cowards in action. So that's why November to me is the blowout is to prevent cheating, but it's mm-hmm. also to do these other things I just uh, talked about.
0: So I have two more questions. This one, first one's easy and quick. Do you you have any kind of like universal site or just recommendation for anybody in this country, no matter where they live, to go to find out um, how they can have a plan and to vote early?
1: Uh, So we're, ohdems.org is ours. I'm looking up right now. I think the best place for people to go generally is iwillvote.com. Okay. i will vote.com they can check if they're registered they can register if they're not they can request an absentee ballot and they can find out information on how to vote in person perfect and it will be geographically based so i would start if you're in ohio you know ohiodems.org will have our information but i will vote.com is a broader website that people can really check on their own situation
0: that's great and then um I just want to follow up on that particular question with, okay. So I told you I ordered my ballot. Let's say I don't get my ballot in time. Um, can mm-hmm. I go down to the Registrar of Voters and and tell them what happened and pick up a ballot? Uh,
1: you, uh, you can. Uh, if you if it didn't come, mm-hmm. I think you need to do another application.
0: Interesting. So I'd have to do an online now. If it didn't come, yeah, I however, I know-
1: you can do it. I mean, uh, hopefully you can drop it in Dropbox. Hope you could hand deliver it. Uh, but yeah, you need to. You would have to do another application.
0: Okay, all right. So then, here's the last question. Um, I, I, I often pose this to my guests. So, what would you say, providing we have a Biden administration, what are the three most important immediate tasks to accomplish? Um, whether you know whether it has to do with uh, voter protection, which I think we should definitely do, but um, you know interference. What are those three most important things? All
1: uh, right. I mean I think on a matter of substance. What are the what are the average American people care about every day? I mean I think it's it's a combination of the COVID crisis and health care. And I think taking those on immediately in a way that we have a real plan, we start saving lives. I mean it's it's just couldn't be more tragic how many people we've lost to this. So I think that, you know, that and that's a matter of executive leadership and legislative leadership. And if we win the Senate, we win the House and Biden's in charge, we can do great things around an actual plan to deal with this crisis Mm -hmm. that hasn't been done. Um, There's a lot around the economy that will need to be done in conjunction with that. So Mm -hmm. I would tie that in, you know, there's obviously, you know, the idea that they can't even agree to keep the $600 coming, um, that they're not doing other things to help state government. So I would say the immediate response to COVID, both on the healthcare end and on the, um, and on the, um, Economic end in mm-hmm. places like Ohio really matters. By the way, one thing about Ohio, our economy was already in the middle of its worst year since 2009 before the COVID crisis hit. Trump likes to blame the COVID mm-hmm. crisis for the economy. It's not. It, that's not. It was already going south. We lost jobs in Ohio, construction, manufacturing in Ohio in 19, the worst mm-hmm. years in a, in a decade. So this comes a, this comes along at a time that we already were seeing those struggles. But then secondly, and, and again, I'll leave it to our legislative leaders, and I'm a huge fan of um, of uh, Speaker Pelosi, she's mm-hmm. been a great friend to Ohio, uh, to do the other substantive. I think the deeper reforms that come out of what we're seeing here are going to be so important. You know, mm-hmm. after the Nixon uh, uh, re- resignation, there was a whole generation of reforms. I think it's very clear that this the need for voting protection reforms yes. is, and hopefully it will be called the John Lewis bill oh,
2: wow, get yeah. that
1: through so we do not have the kind of voter suppression we're seeing mm-hmm. but I, I this is this is just my opinion I think we need to have at at the highest level uh, some type of deep I mean 911 commission doesn't capture it almost like a truth and reconciliation commission to dig into all the corruption mm-hmm. and all the offenses to the Constitution and human rights we've seen in the Trump administration, mm-hmm. I think people, part of that, need to be held accountable. I think they're gonna, I think we are going to learn that it was far worse than we imagined, mm-hmm. the level of corruption, yeah. what's happening to kids on the border in cages. Right, yeah. We need to deep dive into all of that and get it out there, hold people accountable, Yes. and then have that inform a whole series of reforms. So it never happens again, whether it be um, uh, the – what's it called? The clause that you can't enrich yourself, um, oh, right. emoluments, yes. emoluments clause, um, whether yes. it be nepotism. I mean mm-hmm. the uh, that we have learned in this terrible moment that, that we've assumed good behavior mm-hmm. without enough laws to enforce against yes. bad behavior. Yeah. Trump's violated all those norms, but we don't have enough enforcement. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough laws to prevent it. We just – we assume that the, the emoluments clause was somehow self-enforcing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not. And so I think we need a whole series of reforms that are informed by a deep dive into all the offenses we have seen. I mean we are we are on the brink of losing mm-hmm. our democracy. I mean yeah. I don't think that's an overstatement. No, it isn't. And I think we can claw it back in the next several months. But we need to dig deep mm-hmm. to make sure we never get this close again to this moment, and that's going to take deep thinking, accountability, and – a whole lot of laws and reforms to make sure we never get this close again.
0: Good answer. And I agree with you. I absolutely no, do. I you. mean, I don't think, I don't think that we are um, done yet, but we're, we're inching our way. So we have to make sure that that doesn't happen. And everything that you said is absolutely perfect. I'm going to remind everybody um I will votecom and I'm gonna put that I'm yeah. also going to include that in the text of the uh, show description so I just want to say thank you for what you're doing especially in Ohio and thank you for being on the show um, I'm, I really enjoy following you because you put forth a lot of really useful information and obviously you're helping to keep people feel like they're they have power and I think that's really important because like you said yeah. when people feel afraid they have a tendency to just throw their hands up in the air and say I can't my, nothing's gonna work so yeah, we all have to recognize that we have power, and so thank you for making sure we understand that. I I appreciate it. I sincerely do.
1: Good. Well, it's been great to be, to be great to be with you. I do hope people, uh, whether it's my new book, The Voter File, or The People's House, check it out. But more importantly, uh, as as we said, go to iowavote.com, dot uh, com. Figure out the rules of your state. If you have an early vote window, wonderful. Uh, get your ballot early. Uh, get it in early. If, if you're getting later in the cycle, if there's a way to drop it off physically at Dropbox, do that. And we will keep fighting uh, for your voting rights. So keep 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 an eye on lawsuits and everything else to make sure if there's a better way to vote uh, in your state that you're aware of it.
0: Yes, definitely. So tell everybody where they can find you.
1: Uh, you can find me at Twitter, at David Pepper. Uh, I actually have my own website, davidpepper.com, if you're interested in the books. And um, I, I also have a public-facing Facebook account that people can go to as well. And that's that's also David Pepper. So uh, check it out. I'd love to, if you're in Ohio, welcome aboard. Let's go Mm -hmm. win. And around the country, obviously, let's all work together very hard to end this terrible moment and start uh, moving forward again as a country.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for being here today, David.
1: Thanks, Kimberly. A lot of fun. Take care.
0: Well, that was an important conversation, right? (laughs) Uh, Especially, I think, his point about he doesn't want to freak people out because when people get freaked out, they have a tendency to feel like frozen and not do anything. So let's not allow that to happen. And, you know, I posted something on Twitter the other day that, you know, I'm fine. I have people who love me. I'm not going to fold into myself, but I do, I am kind of suffering like a low grade depression. And it's, it's not something that goes with me every second of every day. In fact, um, once I start recording, when I do podcasts, that little feeling, uh, and it's not a big depression; it's a little bit of a, a depression. It kind of spills away. It'll come back, and I and I and I am gonna say that I think part of it is because I've had animals my entire life, and I don't have one right now, so there is a void that is is there, and I I, I am gonna wait until after my mom has her hip surgery before I um you know get another animal. And for those of you who maybe first-time listeners. Um, I've talked about this before. as I'm not going to go on and on. But my mom, who is 73, is having hip surgery on October 30th. So I'm going to have to stay with her as she heals for two weeks. And then as soon as I get back home, the pressure is going to be on to get two kittens. Because <laughs> I need, I need, I need. And hopefully by that time, we'll have positive information about you know whatever results there were. And that low-grade depression will just disappear. But it's it's a real thing. And I know that a lot of people are experiencing it because a lot of people agreed and said, yeah, we're right there. And it's like, I, I'm not going to stop fighting. It's not going to keep me from uh, putting out information and, and talking and doing what I can as far as you know getting your vote in early and all that. But it's definitely something that's going on with a lot of it. So it's very hard to deal with. So don't let it get to you. Do everything you can. Just pull it all out. This is, the, this is the most important election of our lifetimes, and we have to make sure we rise to this occasion. And I do believe that it's possible. We just have to unite and do it. We've got enough groups working against us, whether it's Russians, whether it's the GOP, which I said right now, they're a bigger threat to our country than ISIS. We've also got the fringe left, people who say they're never going to vote for Biden. And they put both The Democratic Party and the Republican Party in the same boat and say that they're both corrupt and horrible. And it's like, oh my God, I have no fucking time for you. I can't even listen to those people. So we just have to be strong and we have to keep it going. Keep it going, at least until voting day. If you're going to break down, break down after your vote is counted. (laughs) All right. So you can find me on Twitter at Author Kimberly, K I M B E R L E Y. You can also read my books on Amazon. The, uh, I've got Peyton's Choice, which is a book about teen abortion, American Woman, the pole Dance, Women in Voting, which is pretty much about, you know, it's it's a combination of my my experiences as an, as an activist and as a feminist mixed in with ways women can empower themselves and women who have gained power. You know, for instance, I just watched the movie Harriet. I touched on Harriet Tubman in my book, but I touched on a lot of women who basically paved the way for women today. Um, And then there's also The Virgin Diaries, which is a collection of stories about people who had sex for the first time. And then Ain't No Sunshine. Men reveal the pain of heartbreak, which is a story stories about men and how they dealt with a broken heart. So those are my books on Amazon. Don't forget my mother just came out with another prescient book that she started writing in December of 2016, which is called The Melt, and it just came out on paperback. So it's been out on Kindle. And now, and I said this at the top of the show, but I'm going to say it again. It's uh, out on paper. It's in paperback now, so you can get a paperback. And don't forget, we need reviews, 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 reviews. Please. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on
2: Wednesday.